0: This morning, we're going to look at the letter to the church at Ephesus. Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote this letter, probably 61 to 62 AD. Some scholars say Caesarea, which was earlier than that. But the audience was definitely to the church at Ephesus. And Ephesus at the time was a leading Roman city. So it had all the nuances of of Rome, and it was dedicated to the emperor. And so the Apostle Paul wrote to them, and uh, in, in chapter 2, we really come to the heart of the epistle, at least in my mind, uh, and it really focuses on the mercy of God. It really focuses on the mercy of God. Now, number one, this is the first thing I want to say about These verses, number one, God is merciful in verses two through four, but God being rich in mercy and the word mercy Elias Elias means compassion or pity in the Old Testament. This word mercy is used two hundred and thirty eight times. That's significant. When we come to the New Testament, we only find it twenty seven times which is rather significant in and of itself. But the Apostle Paul uses it here, but God being rich in mercy. If you look before verses 1 through 3, you will read how bad we were. In verses 1 through 3, it talks about our condition before Christ. But God being rich in mercy. Um, For those that are watching, you'll see a, a girl here with her head down and uh, a man trying to comfort her that's exactly what god does god who loves us comforts us and when when i think about the mercy of god i think wow god saved me even though i was extremely bad and this applies to anyone you can be far from god and yet you could say but god has mercy god is compassionate he is a loving god when 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 we talk about god and 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 some people think of god theos is the the greek word for god the creator of the universe the one true god when people think about god and i'm talking about those in verses one through three that are that are lost that are following the kingdom of of darkness and the kingdom of the air Uh, they, they are quick to say, well, God is a judging God. And that is absolutely true, but they get fixated on that. They don't realize that God is a merciful God. In fact, when you go through Scripture, you'll find grace mentioned more than any other theme in the, in the, in the New Testament. And even in the Old Testament, 280 sometimes, we see the mercy of God. So we need to, when, when when we encounter those that are lost, we need to say, yes, There's there's a day God's going to judge. And God will execute judgment on the world. But now, right here today, we have the grace of God. And it doesn't matter how far you've gone. You can be miles away from God spiritually, but God's mercy will be applied to you. He says here he is rich. Plusias, the word rich. And it doesn't mean a trickle. Rich in mercy meaning that God is abundant, overflowing, exorbitant grace it flows over it flows from his throne yes again God is a God who will judge but more times than not in the New Testament we find that God is merciful and guess what he's merciful to you and he's merciful to me for those that are in Christ and he loves the world that's why he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life John three sixteen. This great mercy Paul writes about the source of it, and I want to mention a quote here from uh, from c s Lewis, but because of the great love with which he loved us, the great c s Lewis said this, "God loves us not because we are lovable but because He is love, in the epistles of John, first John, second John, particularly first John. Uh, he is love, and in him there is no darkness. Not because we need to re- he needs to receive it, but because he delights to give it. The reason that God is merciful is because at the core being and essence, he is love. He is agape, that is, he holds people in high affection. And we see that when Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay for our sins. He died on that cross, and what held him there was love, God's unbelievable, gracious love which he lavishes on us. It's not just love. Notice the Apostle Paul here says, uh, great, polos, polos is the Greek word. What that means is it's the upper scale. When I was going through this, I, I, I thought about it. It is the highest form of love that you can have. When you think about our love, our love is temporal, sometimes even conditional. I love you until this, that, or the other. I love you because the way you do this, that, or the other. That is a temporal love. God's love is eternal. Our love is impure in a lot of ways. Sometimes we exhibit love in our lives simply for impure motives. God's motive is pure. His love is the highest. So you cannot get over the bar in this world on God's love. God's love is the greatest. And it says, because of his great love, which he loved us. I want you to know, and those that are watching by Facebook see quite a few. I I want you to know today that God loves you completely. For those of you that are in Christ, he loves you. For those of you that may be watching this in some other part of, the, of our country today, and you just stumbled across us, I want you to know that even though you do not know Jesus Christ, I want you to know today that he loves you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. But not only this, this word love means to seek the best in the one that is loved, on top of a sacrificial love. God seeks the best for your life and mine. It's amazing, isn't it? When, when when you look at Ephesians chapter two, verses one and three, and you see how bad we were, and then you see but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us. Secondly, in verses two through or in verse uh, two five, God makes us alive, and we read even this is five a. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, again, I would revert back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. You can read that and look at it, and you can see just how bad we were. You say, well, uh, I wasn't that bad. Well, the problem is you were bad enough to need a Savior. Uh, When I got saved, I wasn't particularly what you would call a rebel or a bad person, but the fact is I was lost and didn't know Jesus. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Nikos. That means unable to respond. That's the word for dead. Uh, you, have a, you have a person that has died, you try to talk to them, they don't talk back. That's what we were spiritually. We were spiritually dead. Unable to communicate anything. Oh, we may be we may be walking around perfectly alive, but dead inwardly. And so we had no communication with God. It was broken even when we were dead in our trespasses. And the word trespasses here, paroptima, paroptima, which means to make a false step. And um, I'm going to read if I can see it on my monitor. This is Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, every one of us before we came to Christ, followed the ways of, of the world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So when we think about people in our world today, we have to realize that they are dead spiritually. They don't understand this. We have got to be the ones to go out and share with them that God loves them. He's great in mercy and has abundant love for them. Um, and then he goes on to say, all of us also lived among them at one time. Paul says, I want you to realize you're only, you're only in a different camp because of God's mercy and his grace. You, you too, me, all of us here today that are watching, those of you that are saved that are watching via Facebook, you were just like them until we received Christ. And then he goes, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. But God's mercy, God's great abundant mercy flowed down on us, cleanses us, as Audrey and Holly said, cleanses us from all of our sin, washed away. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And sadly in our world today, we have people that don't know Christ. And I just want to tell them, please consider the cross. Please consider the cross. There's a sign for those that are watching on Facebook, posted private property, keep out. And he says here, uh, uh, this, this word trespass means to make a false step. That means to go against something that was clearly marked as off-limits. Somebody said to me one one time, well, what's, what's the greatest sin? And I go, well, the greatest sin is the sin of unbelief. Listen, listen. God can forgive the most vile offender. Who's writing this? Who is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus I will tell you who's writing the letter the apostle Paul the same one that was killing Christians that was that was having them locked up and beaten this this is the guy that God saved on the road to Damascus there is nobody that's too far gone that God can't reach down by his mercy grab them and pull them out of the out of the sea of despair do you realize that you've got somebody in your life that that they're really tough start praying for them praying that God's mercy will show up on them. There's a picture here, and notice he says here in 5b, made us alive together with Christ. I have a picture here of a woman walking along the beach, and there's a shadow of Jesus following her. We do not live our life, our Christian life, in isolation. He made us together alive with Christ, with Christ, and the, the, the words here to make alive uh, used eight times in the Septuagint and the Old Testament, in, clas- in classical literature it referred to the birth of animals or to the growth of plants, but now here it means new spiritual life, no longer are you dead spiritually, unable to communicate with God, he makes us alive together with Christ, Alive together with, with Christ. That, that's the power in which we live our Christian lives, is by the virtue of our connection to Christ. It is our new life. He makes us alive. It's a new birth. It's a new day. It's a fresh start. Don't you want, don't you want people to have a fresh start in their lives? We need to start telling people about the love of God. And, and he makes us alive. That means he brings us back from spiritual death with Christ. And that's brought on by the resurrection of Jesus. He goes on to say, By grace you have been saved. Horus is the Greek word for grace here. And it means God's unmerited or undeserved favor. <laughs> by grace you have been saved when we trust in jesus christ we are a special people you never outrun god's grace you never outrun god's mercy you never outrun god's love for you never ever because it's something that we did not earn we did not work for but is given to us. It is unmerited, undeserved favor with God. We stand in favor with God because when we were spiritually dead, he pulls us up to life spiritually. And then we have a new relationship in which his grace overflows into our lives. And it's not that it's not that I'm so good or I'm so great and I did so much. It has nothing to do with it. We gain God's favor by what Christ did on the cross. Amen. He says here, by grace you have been saved. I love this word, saved. Those of you that are looking, you see in the Navy there, rescue this uh, person that's in the water. They're sending a rescue vehicle out, a rescue helicopter to get that person out of the water. This word is used by the Apostle Paul 106 times. And you know what that word means, sozo? It means rescued. That begs the question, what danger? Well, the danger is being dead now and being dead here and away from the presence of Christ. That's the rescue. The rescue is that he reaches down and pulls us out of that moment, out of that sea of sin, and gives us new life. I I just want to encourage you. So wonderful. God will rescue you. Number three, and lastly, God gives us a new life. He makes us alive with, with Christ. God is merciful. He makes us alive with Christ. And then lastly, he gives us new life. Verses 6 and 7. This is awesome. You you notice we went from the state of spiritual deadness to being alive, but that's not the end of it. Verse 6, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Max Sanders said in his commentary, absolutely right, to be seated with Christ in the heavenlies is a figure of speech meaning, God considers us worthy and destined to be seated with Christ in heaven when we get there. I'm going to read that again. To be seated with Christ. That's us, those of you that have trusted in him. To be seated with Christ in the heavenlies is a figure of speech, meaning that God considers us worthy and destined to be seated with Christ in heaven when we get there. God has decided to do it. And it is as good as done. When Jesus Christ raised from the dead. By the way, I missed every one of you on Easter Sunday. It just was not the same. We focused on the, on the resurrection of Christ. When Christ raised from the dead. He also assured our place in heaven. Seated at the right hand. Can you imagine that? Paul is straddling the fence here. Here I am now. I'm just waiting for my physical body to catch up where I belong. He's raised us up and seated us with him. Uh, it's Paul's between two worlds theology, where you could say already, but not yet. I'm already there, but not yet. That is our destiny. That's why when a believer dies, we yes, we're sat on this side of the fence. And I I know somebody that... Uh, in our church that, that lost a family member this week. And yes, that is tough on this side of the fence. But on the other side of the fence with Christ, it's a time of joy and a time of rejoicing. He raised us up with him. Wow. I would add this in Colossians, therefore set your minds on things above and not on things of the earth. No, verse seven, so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. I love the train. Everybody can get on the spiritual train and go to heaven. It's, we have to wait for it to pass, but the word might show is the word for unveil. Might show is the word for unveil and on Facebook I got a picture of a artist that is taking the cover off his painting to show the audience what he has painted and that's exactly what God is doing he's pulling back the curtain a little bit and saying this is what's waiting for us and this is what is in us now though we sometimes don't understand all of it someday we will understand it in full we know in part but that day we will know in full and it's a wonderful promise to us so that in the coming ages he might show us his, imme- his immeasurable riches. That means you can't possibly measure it. You can't possibly... There's not enough, there's not enough uh, tape to measure how far God's love and grace goes towards us and Christ. Let me, let me say in closing today, if you're in Christ... I want you to know that God's mercy and grace extends to you at all times there's never a gap for those of you that have trusted in Christ there's never a gap you never outrun it you never gain it by anything that you do it's there for you it was given to us when Jesus said it is finished on the cross and then rose from the dead that's yours you can claim that today this world has no claim on you any longer You belong to him, and therefore, although we're here right now, we know what waits for us at the end. Because God is merciful. He shows mercy to anyone who will ask him. God brings us back to life with Christ. And then gives us eternal life, new life, a new life now and a new start now. Many of you have experienced that. Some of you watching uh, by Facebook, maybe you don 't know Jesus Christ i 'm going to tell you how to be saved. Number one, Romans 3:23 says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." That means me. that means everybody' sitting out here in their cars, uh, listening. Every one of us have, have sinned. and we 've fallen short. That means we don 't hit the mark of god 's perfection. You need to first of all admit that you 're a sinner. And then ask for forgiveness of that sin, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So confess your, your, your sin, ask for forgiveness of that sin, and then invite Christ into your heart, because it's all about the heart. It's not about what you do, who you are, what social status you come from. All ground is level at, at the cross. And if you do that, if, if, if you did that, Watching today, I want you to put something down there on, on Facebook. Just I just trusted in Christ. And, and get, in, get in touch with me. Send me an instant message. That's what you need to be saved. You need to confess. Lord, I, I send and I ask forgiveness of my sin and I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. And that's it. We sometimes think it's a big drawn out deal. It's not. And if you'll do that, you will have experienced the grace and peace of God. Will you do that today? Just open your heart up to Christ.